You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. It is good to be with you guys. With uh, working with the middle school students, I've had to be there uh, every Sunday morning to be with them, and I've been loving it, but I've been anxious for the opportunity to get around to the different campuses just so I can get to know you guys, a, a different part of our Grace family. So it's awesome to be here this morning. This morning we are talking about standing for life, specifically focusing on abortion. And as I prepared for the, the message this morning, the thing that I continued to ask God was I wanted to understand his heart um, as father. You know, God, God's role in our life can be different things at different times and different points of need, but I wanted to know his heart as father, father God. You know, I don't know about you, but I mean, I think sometimes we, we throw onto God the, the perspective of an earthly father, and he's just not that. So, you know, my, my dad growing up, and maybe you had one of these, my dad is a, a very loud talker. Maybe that's where I get it from. Uh, my dad talks really loud, and so as a, you know, as a teenager, I was like, man, why are you always yelling? You know, and he's not always yelling. He just talks loud, and it would, we would see it in his family. Everybody would gather at Grandma and Grandpa's house on Sunday, and uh, they were, they're from Alabama, and so half the families for, you know, different colleges, and so when they came together and played each other, it was extremely loud. Uh, and, and so sometimes I would have the same view of Heavenly Father as I would as my earthly father, and that's just not the case. So as I was preparing for this, I really wanted to understand, and I, I think I'd do a little more. There's still I, I, things that I need to learn, still things I need to understand about our Heavenly Father. But I hope that we can walk away this morning with maybe a, a clearer understanding of God the Father and how he, how he feels about us, but certainly how he feels about abortion. Because as we, as we get into some statistics later, I, I think you're going to be like me, and it's just like, there's no way that that's happening, but it is. God is the creator of life, and he values every life, no matter the age, the stage of development, the color of skin, or anything else. As Christ followers, we are called to stand for life. I hope that we leave somewhat challenged about what we need to do that we're not doing currently, or maybe what we need to do more. As you saw the picture of my family, they all look like me, don't they? Uh, I hope that for, for us, for my wife, we, we prayed and talked and, and have, we've had a lot of conversations about what we can do. And so we're trying to do what we can do. And I hope that you guys leave challenged with what God's saying, this is what you can do, regardless of what that is. This morning we'll speak specifically about abortion and explore God's heart and find the truth in his word. Elective abortion unjustly takes the life of an innocent human being and is a violation of God's word and God's ways. Every baby is made in God's image and God's likeness. And we see that in Genesis 1, 23, or 27. You know, as we, as we get into this topic, I, I don't know about you, but there's been things in my life that I've struggled with and certainly points of guilt and shame. One of the things I hope we understand about our father is that that's not coming from him. That God doesn't want me to feel shameful. In fact, one of the marvelous things about the cross is Jesus not only took our sin on the cross, he took our shame, the shame of the sin that we would commit. He took on all of that on himself when he died on the cross. So for us, with the things that we struggle with, one of the things we want to make sure you understand and so that you can minister to others is that God, he showers us with grace. So understanding God's grace. Abortion is not the unpardonable sin. 
Um, I don't know about you, but I've been in conversations before when, when people talk about what sins can be forgiven and what sins can't be forgiven. I don't understand all of that. Like for me, in my mind, I'm like, there should not be child abusers in heaven, but there will be because they were forgiven uh, just like I am forgiven. But abortion is not the unpardonable sin. Look at 1 John 1, 9. It says this, if we confess our sins, he being God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So as we're ministering to it, and maybe there's, there's a possibility of someone in here who, who has had an abortion, but the thing that we have to understand is if for those that we're ministering to, or if you are one that has struggled with that shame and guilt, that Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, forgives us of all of our sins. It's wonderful to know that the sins that I'm going to commit tomorrow or later today are forgiven already. Isn't that incredible? So there's really no room for us to, to take on guilt and take on shame because Jesus took on guilt and shame, my guilt and shame for every sin that I have committed. I hope I'm not committing one right now, am committing and will commit, right? You do not have to carry the guilt and shame of your past. Look at Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then this, your past could minister to someone else. I think that's the case for all of us. We learn, especially if you're a parent, hopefully you're active in this daily. You, you want to teach your kids not to make the same mistakes that you've made, Right? All of us do that. What's the same in ministry? The things that I've struggled with in the past, uh, God can use uh, me to help minister to others in that. One of the things that I've struggled with in the past is anger, like allowing my emotions to get to a, a place where it's sinful. The things that I would say and the things that I would do and, and, and maybe just the things that I would feel internally. Well, I feel like God has set me free from that. And so I can understand completely when somebody says they struggle with anger and, and I can share my own mistakes, my own failures, you know, st stupid, stupid things that I've said to hurt my wife's feelings and, you know, yelling at my kids out of anger and even disciplining. Out of, so I can walk along somebody who's struggling with that. Listen, God can use all of those things in our lives to, to help minister and walk alongside others. And certainly even in this area of abortion. And we need to let people know as we read the statistics, what we'll find out is there's people in our lives currently uh, that have had abortions, either women or young fathers who encourage their girlfriends or their wives to have abortions. And we can, we can speak truth and love and grace into their lives. As the body of Christ, we are called to stand for justice as we are a voice for the unborn and stand with a mother who would choose life. This past semester in uh, the Cornelius campus, we started a grace group called Embrace Grace. Uh, the concept isn't something that we came up with or we started. It's, it was actually started at a church in Texas and is now a national, I think even an international program. But Embrace Grace brings young moms and even not so young moms who have chosen life. We bring them in uh, so that we can meet with them and encourage them and love them. And so we have uh, women who have been mentoring and coaching them. They go through a six-week study just about how to be a mom and, and how Jesus loves them. At the end of the six weeks, we throw a baby shower for them and, and just shower them with love in the form of some fantastic gifts. But the whole point of that is to, to bring these moms in who are struggling. Many times they might have people in their lives that should be walking alongside them, but aren't. You know, I don't know how many that I've talked with over the years that just feel alone. 
And many times they feel alone just because of the guilt and shame that they have of even thinking about abortion, that they're not talking to anybody about it. Well, we as the family of God, we can come alongside them, and we are uh, in this grace group called Embrace Grace. As Christ followers, we're not responsible to meet every need, but I believe we're responsible to meet the needs we are able to meet. You know, I think not just in this issue, but many issues that are facing the church today, we've, we've got to be a people who don't just sit back. I think we are responsible to meet the needs that God puts before us in, in whatever way that we can. You know, this is kind of off subject. I don't know what judgment will be like for Christ followers because there's not an eternal judgment. Jesus has already taken care of that for us. One of the, one of the thoughts that I have um, that keeps me aware of what God's doing around me, it's one of the thoughts I have about that judgment that as a Christ follower, one of the things that's going to flash before my mind or my eyes is just missed opportunities. Like Jesus bringing someone to me and me just not taking the time to minister, right? Because my schedule is busy or I have another meeting that I've got to go to or... So as Christ followers, I think it's our responsibility to meet the needs that we can. And I hope that maybe even this morning, you're challenged by the Holy Spirit about some needs that you can begin to meet or people that you can begin to minister to. I'm going to go through some statistics, and I hope that they're alarming to you because they are alarming to me. And this isn't a point to, to, for, for us to bring some type of, ah, you got to start doing this because look what's happening. I, again, I think we have to understand the heart of the Father. And as I was going through this, as, as I found these statistics, I was like, man, how does God our Father, feel about what's happening in our nation, and by the way, even in the church. Because the sad reality is that 65% of all women who have abortions self-identify as Christians. 65%. That's, that's a high, it's a high percentage, isn't it? There's a disparity between what the Bible says and, and how we as Christians are living. Abortion isn't the only issue, of course, but I don't know that there's an issue that would grieve the father more than abortion. So this is in the church too. If 65% of all women who have abortions self-identify as Christians, it, it tells me that this problem is very prevalent even in the church. So if you talk to somebody who is pro-abortion or, or what they would say is pro-choice, here's some things that they would say to support their stance. The first thing you hear a lot is it's not a baby, it's a fetus. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that stated, whether by somebody who's standing in front of you in a conversation or in the media. It's not a baby, it's a fetus. Or that unwanted pregnancies put women at risk. The third one that you hear a lot is, especially in the pro-choice stance, is the woman is more important than the fetus. Listen, these are all beliefs that Society has conditioned us, even as Christ followers, even the church, society has conditioned us to think. So what do I mean by being conditioned to think? I did a study on it a while back just because I was seeing patterns in the church that looked much like the world. And I know that the Bible says that we're transformed by allowing God to change the way we think. Don't copy the behaviors and patterns of the world, right? But I was seeing this disparity of all these patterns that looked very much like the world was in the church, and I, I began to discover as I studied media and discover, uh, I researched cartoons and sitcoms that we're being conditioned to, to think certain ways. And then we become comfortable with those ways, even though they contradict 
God's word. The most, the, the most prevalent one is same-sex uh, relationships, same-sex couples, same-sex marriages. Those things are inundated within our media, within sitcoms. I don't know that there's a sitcom out there now that doesn't have a same-sex couple in it. And it's even in our kids' shows and cartoons. We've been very careful as parents not to allow our kids to watch just anything and everything. We don't just, in fact, regard the amount of time that they spend in front of the TV, but we want to know what they're watching. And we were comfortable with one show, one cartoon called Arthur. Some of you guys are familiar with that cartoon. And so for a long time, we didn't even pay attention to what was happening on Arthur because we were comfortable with it. And at one point, I'm sitting down and I'm watching it, and there's a same-sex couple now in Arthur, this little aardvark cartoon. I think he's an aardvark anteater or something. This, what was an innocent, innocent cartoon. So they're conditioning us to think, even in the church, where we, we come to a place where we just think it's okay. I would say that I've failed in this. Because even when I would hear about abortions or see statistics, a lot of times I would just let it pass right by me where at one point it would always be like, oh my goodness. Right? Not that I would ever think that abortion is okay, but I've just become so numb to some of the stuff that's in society. And the sad fact is as Christians, we've we've seen that begin to enter into the church in so many different ways. Listen to this, since 1973, over 55 million babies, it's actually almost 56 million babies, not fetuses, over 55 million babies have been killed in the U.S. by abortion. So that's on average, that's 1.2 million babies killed every year since 1973. So to bring that a little bit closer to home, those numbers, that statistic represents the population of Mecklenburg and Lincoln counties combined. So every year since 1973, the entire population of Mecklenburg County and Lincoln County have been murdered since 1973 every year. If we want to broaden that out a little bit, that's the population. 1.2 million every year since 1973, almost 56 million. That's the population of Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia. The entire population, the 2019 population of Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia have been murdered since 1973. Man, let's not ever become numb to that. As if it's not a big deal to Father God anymore. That it's not a big deal to us as Christ followers. This is taking place in our country. And that's not even the statistics or numbers from the world. That's just the U.S., Listen, abortion is not a social issue. It's not an economic issue or a political issue. It's a moral issue, and we learn morality. And I don't care what society says, we learn morality from God. The truth of his word. So let's look in God's word to see what Father God feels about this issue of abortion. The first thing is this. God is just, and he has called us, Christ followers, to stand for justice. In Isaiah 56, verse 1, it says this. This is what the Lord says. Maintain what? Justice. Three of you are awake. Look, you got to, especially for those who have masks on, you got to communicate a lot with your eyes with me, so I know you're still there. Don't be like us men as why. How many of you men, like your wife is telling you something and you just got into, I've been married for almost 28 years and it's sad, but there's times where I'm like, I'm looking at her, but then I've got to say, I'm so sorry. I didn't hear a word you just said. 
And I've just gotten to a place where I admit it. It's pretty obvious to the women. And then, so anyways, communicate with me a lot with your eyes so I know you're there. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. So what are we as Christ followers called to do? Maintain justice and do what is right. Maintain justice, do what is right. Both of these being actions, there's something that we need to be doing and not just praying. Is praying doing something? Yeah, I, I think so, but many times that's an excuse. Prayer, we, we've learned to use prayer as an excuse. I was in, when I was in Bible college, um, a group of students were going to Virginia Tech and, and witnessing on Friday nights, and I remember the first time they asked me to come, and what was, my, what, what was my answer? I'll pray about it. What? I'll pray about telling people about Jesus. Can I say something? A lot of the things that we pray about, God's already told us the answer, told us to do it, and we don't just need to spend time praying. Let me get back to this. I'll pray about telling people about Jesus. What in the world? Micah 6.8 says this, He has shown you, God has shown us, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? That's a pretty good question to ask. What does the Lord require of me? Ask that of yourself. What does the Lord require of me? Well, here it is. To act justly. To what? Act justly. And to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Listen, we as Christ followers, we, we have to start acting and not just meeting for, for prayer groups or Zoom prayer now or whatever, however, right? Look at the second thing is this. God calls us to choose life. Uh, and, and really, there's, there's many things that we, we'll approach in Scripture that's just not a, it's not a choice. Because when, even when we see this choice, it's like, well, how many of you, like, you don't, you don't give your kids a choice. In fact, you say, look, this is, when I tell you to do something, you don't then have the choice of whether to do it or not. I mean, you have the freedom to but there's consequences, right? So God calls us to choose life. Look at Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 through 20. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life. So like, for me, it's like, well, duh. I mean, if God came to me and said, look, here's death, here's life, choose. I think everybody in the room would choose life. Now, there's sometimes I might choose to kill my kids because if you have kids, it's like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so maybe I'd choose death for them. But life for me, I'm going to choose life for me. That's horrible, dad, pastor. That's horrible. Now choose life so that you and your children, <laughs> there we go, you and your children <laughs> may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God calls us to choose life. Listen to the following facts. Because I think this brings reality to the fact that we're not talking about a fetus. We're not talking about a mass of tissue. These things, and I think I knew a few of these, but as I was printing them out on, in my iPad or typing them in, it was like, oh my goodness. Listen to this. The heart. The heart begins to beat between the 18th and 24th day of conception. The heart begins to beat between the 18th and 24th day of conception. Brain waves have been recorded as early as 45 days. We're not talking about weeks here. Of course, 45 weeks, I can get like an elephant or something carrying a baby. 
Brain waves have been recorded as early as 45 days after conception. The mother can feel physical movement as early as 42 days after conception. Listen to this, at eight weeks, I love this. When I found this, I was like, oh man, this is daddy God. Eight weeks, at eight weeks, the baby possesses the unique fingertips, fingerprints, sorry, I kept saying tips earlier too, didn't I? Movement, as, as early as eight weeks, they have their fingerprints, the fingerprints that they'll have for life, the fingerprints that as they grow, we identify people as, from their fingertips. They have that at eight weeks. All bodily functions are present at eight weeks and are functioning at 11 weeks. All bodily functions are happening at 11, just 11 weeks. Listen, these facts, as I, as I read through, that's not describing tissue. That's describing a life, a baby, that is being formed by God in a miraculous way. The third thing is this. God hates the shedding of innocent blood. Sometimes we're afraid to, to put that upon God, that he would hate something because God's such a loving God. But look at Proverbs 6, 16 to 17. It says this, there are six things the Lord hates. We'll only say three to get to the point, but there's six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Listen, God hates the shedding of innocent blood. That's God the creator. Then when we bring God the Father into this, can you imagine how God's heart is just breaking day after day, moment after moment, as these 55, 1.2 million babies are murdered every year. The state of God's heart because of that. The fourth thing, the last thing is this. God is the creator of life, and he values every life. God is the creator of life, and he values every life. I'm going to read Psalms 139, verses 13 through 16, but I want us to pay attention to the last verse. I, if you're not taking notes, I would at least pull something out to, to write this passage down. Because as we talk about this passage and we cover this last verse, it just blows the argument of it's just a baby. I mean, it's just a fetus. It's just a mass of tissue. Psalms 139, verses 13 through 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Listen to this verse. Your eyes, God's eyes, saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to being. Let's think about this. God's eyes saw me before my body began to form, God's eyes saw me. When we go back to the whole reason God created man, God created man because he wanted to have relationship with us, with man. And as I began to think about the heart of the Father and that his eyes are on unformed bodies, babies before conception, that his eyes are upon them. 
Why? Because he's so looking forward. Daddy God is so looking forward to having a relationship with them. Yet here we are in our country and, and worldwide, even worse, number-wise. But in our country, we're, we're killing off 1.2 million of these relationships that God is so looking forward to having. The conversations that God, Father God, wants to have with them. The, the physical touch and, and spiritual touch, the emotional connection that God wants to have. We're killing off 1.2 million. That, that verse says that God is looking upon even the unformed body. Listen, that blows away this whole concept of it's just a mass of tissue. It's just a fetus. It's not a baby. Yes, it is. And not only is it a baby, but God's eyes are upon them. In my own life, I have a, a story that, that I'll share as I begin to close of of just for me and my wife saying that we can. Before, uh, before I got married, I wish I, I, I had the time to tell you our marriage story because it's kind of crazy. Uh, but before we got married, my wife and I had had conversations about uh, life and family and, and uh, how we would raise kids, how many kids we wanted to have. We had conversations about homeschooling. We had conversations about dis how we would discipline, right? Just to make sure that we were on the same page for all these very important things. I sat down with my mom at 15 and I had a list written out at 15 years old about what I wanted in a wife and what I wanted in a family at 15. So we had this conversation and my wife and I, we wanted eight babies. We wanted eight kids. I have nine, working on more, so I'm an overachiever. But we wanted to have eight babies. And between our, our, our second and our third, we had several miscarriages. Between our third and our fourth, we had more miscarriages. And with our fourth, Brittany, um, Brittany, our, our, our baby Brittany, she died just like our other babies did. She passed away and was, they had the, the whole procedure, DNC scheduled. And, and I just remember I'm at work and I just something rose up in me. And I was like, man, I can't keep going through this. And I just cried out to God. I had my, my beeper because that's what you carried then. You didn't have cell phones. I told my dad, I mean, we were out in the middle of nowhere. And I said, you got to get me to a payphone. I've got to call my wife. I called my wife. You got to cancel the procedure. And what didn't happen the way that we thought it would happen. So here I am. I've been married for almost uh, 28 years, 28 years in November. And uh, we have nine kids. We didn't get the eight kids the way that we thought we would. And it was a painful time. And we decided after the fourth, I just can't go through that again. But God has just blessed us through adoption with the rest of our, our family. And we're looking, we're looking for more. Uh, and when, when we had the home study done, the, the social worker here in North Carolina, she came in and she's like, well, how many, are, how many do you want to be approved for? And I'm like, well, how many will my house hold? So Levi, Kurt, if you can throw Levi up. That's Levi. Levi happened uh, in our life from grace, from the halls of grace. My wife and I, before I had a position here, we knew that God was calling us here. And so we were kind of making preparations to move. I was pastoring in Virginia and I had stepped down and we thought we were going to Greensboro to start a church. And anyways, God changed those plans. And so when we felt called here, we started to drive down from Virginia. It was two hours, a little over two hours every Sunday to attend the services because I wanted to know the heart of grace. I've known Pastor Farrell for quite some time now, since about 88 or 89, but I wanted to know the heart of grace. It was, it was really cool. I didn't share this in the other services, but the very first Sunday we visited was Adoption Sunday. It was like, you kidding me? It was awesome. But I was, after one of the services, I'm upstairs picking up a few of our girls and, and my wife is downstairs picking up a few more kids. And when I came downstairs, my wife is talking to an, an older woman and they're both and so I just stayed way back like, man, that's scary right there. Any other guys there with me? It was like, whoa, 
I didn't want to step into that. Didn't know what was happening. And so I just kind of stood back. I knew my wife would get my attention if she needed me or wanted me. Uh, and so I just stood back. And it didn't take too long. She turns around and she sees me and she calls me into the conversation. This is what happened. My wife was talking to a friend of ours, uh, Kim Goodwin. She works at the uh, Grace Academy. And uh, talking about the adoption of our, who's now four years old, uh, that we were praying that it would be finalized before we moved because technically we weren't supposed to move out of the state until it was finalized. We were adopting her through foster care. And this, this woman just walking by, just walking down the hallway, heard my wife say adoption. Pulled my wife aside right out of the conversation. Asked my wife about what they were talking about. My wife told her. And she said, listen, my daughter is pregnant and is going to abort the baby. Would you adopt it? And my wife said yes before I even got downstairs. She'd already said, I, it's, it's wonderful. I love when my wife says yes because I don't have to pray about it. Some of you guys, man, we, there's a lot of relief. If we just listen to our wives, our wives, my, my wife hears the voice of the Lord a lot clearer than me. So I was just like, I don't even need to pray about this. Yes, yes. So little Levi there, he's now one years old. Show those next two photos. His name is Levi Jackson, and we call him Apple Jacks. So somebody had that little printed from their cricket to put on the side of his truck. Jacks Tracks. That's Levi. I just turned one years old a few weeks ago. Whew. I know how my heart feels as his father. I just wonder how God's heart feels that we're murdering 1.2 million Levi's every year in the U.S., right? So for me, like I, I love thinking about when I, when I read that verse about, about God's eyes being upon us before our, our bodies are even formed and him knitting us together. And, you know, God has a call on Levi's life. It's not because uh, he, he wasn't aborted and, there was, and he probably would have been. It's every baby. So when I think about the many people that Levi has the the possibility of touching and leading to Jesus, leading into a relationship with Daddy God who will spend eternity to heaven and how many of those might not have been reached if Levi would have been aborted. See, that's what we're talking about. Standing for life is what we're really doing is standing for the heart of the Father. Because of how God views every baby before they're even formed. That's what we can do. My wife and I, we've chosen that we can do this. What can you do? What can you do? What is God challenging you? What is the Holy Spirit challenging you with this morning? I can tell you this. I'm going to be bold enough to say, I know that a few of you are challenged this morning about fostering and adopting. I know it. And what I'm saying is just be, begin to, to pray further into that, but don't, just be open. I'll just stay there. <laughs> I want to close by a few action points that I know that we can do. And the first one is this, speak truth in love and grace. As we're ministering to those around us, especially moms who are contemplating abortion or who have had abortions, young dads who either was in on the decision or not in on the decision, that we're speaking the word uh, of truth with love and grace. Listen, some of those verses that I shared this morning, especially that last one, speak that to them. God's eyes are upon their baby before it was even started to be formed. Isn't that awesome? That's how daddy God thinks of us. The second thing is this, pray, pray consistently. Pray consistently. In fact, when I close this out, I'm going to pray for any, any young mom or, or not so young mom in the United States that's considering abortion right in these moments. Pray consistently. And the last one is become informed and engaged in standing for the sanctity of life. Outside, you'll find a, a table set up for Love Life Charlotte. There's just some information on the organization out there, a little booklet. Also, you can fill out this card and receive even more information. On Wednesday, July 29th, 
uh, we're going to be joining with Love Life Charlotte on a day of fasting and prayer. And then on the campus in Cornelius, um, there's going to be a one hour time of corporate prayer together in Clanton Hall. And then also on August 1st, Love Life Charlotte is doing a prayer walk. That's a Saturday, August 1st from 9 to 11. If you'll go to, I could say the address, but if you'll go to the Grace website, you'll find the information about that. They're thinking about social distancing and masks and all those things to keep everybody safe. But listen, that's something that we can get involved in. And if you can't make it to those things, you can spend, dedicate some time on those days to pray. Can we close our eyes? God, I pray right now, and the first thing I want to pray for is just our hearts, that our hearts would be softened to know your heart, that our hearts would come to a clearer, better understanding of the heart of our Father God in heaven, Daddy God. God, I pray right now for any young mom in the U.S. that in these moments they're, they're thinking about abortion. Maybe they've already made the decision that they will abort. Maybe their family supports it, friends support it, maybe the father supports it. But God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would invade anywhere that they're at, God. If they're in their bedroom, invade their room. Living, invade the living room. If they're driving down the road, invade their vehicle right now, Holy Spirit. And the first thing that I would ask is just shower them. Shower them with your love. If they can understand the heart of the Father, they wouldn't make this decision. So invade wherever they're at right now, oh God. Holy Spirit, do work in their life. Begin to draw them to Daddy God. Begin to draw them to salvation. Holy Spirit, transform their heart, their mind, their spirit. And God, I pray for us that as we would encounter those around us, help us begin to see and be aware of those that are struggling with this decision. And even if that decision is already made, help us, Lord. We would ask Holy Spirit that you would give us the words to speak, the prayers to pray. God. But most of all, I pray that we would just feel your heart. Let us feel the way that you feel, Father. Give us boldness to stand for life as we leave this place and go into our communities, go into our workplaces. We thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for how much you love us. Man, let us be people who share that love with everyone around us. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.